Welcome to the Profitable Accountant Podcast. I'm your host, Reza Huda, practice owner, coach, and mentor to accounting firm owners. In this podcast, I share practical strategies to get new clients, charge higher prices, and build a profitable accounting firm that you're proud of. From time to time, I also interview other accountants doing incredible things so you can learn what's working and take tangible takeaways to implement. Make sure you press the follow button on your podcast player so you get notified when I release a new episode. Now, on to today's session. Hello, hello. Hope you're well and have had a good start to the day. So I'm back to the office this week after my uh, 11-day Dubai trip. I got back on the Monday and straight into the thick of it. The first week of the month is always my busiest week of the month when I actually do some work. (laughs) So Tuesday was my group call with my mastermind group, the first Tuesday of the month. And then Wednesday was my deep dive session with the pack members, members of the pack. If you are one and you came along to it, I hope you found it useful. This week's session was all to do with how to provide wow experiences and five-star service to your clients so that they stay with you for longer and become your raving fans shouting about you from the rooftops to help you get more referrals to grow your business even more. So great session, gave away some good resources like my onboarding form, my whole uh, pre-prospecting uh, flowchart and process t- talking them through each step of the journey from as soon as a prospect lands on your website, the experience that they get matters, how easy it's to book a call, the routing form, and then when do they get taken to to book a call with you in your diary, and then what happens during the call where you generate the proposal, and what happens after that, and how can you automate that so as soon as they've signed the proposal they go straight to a welcome page thanking them for coming on board and serving up the next stage of the process which is the onboarding form to collate all that information so you don't have to do it manually by email you can automate that process we do it via a google form which took us uh, hours and hours to create but that now saves us so much time in getting that all that necessary information from a new client so as well as saving us time it also provides that wow experience for a client. So, oh, these guys are really efficient, you know, and they are in the zone. They've already accepted the proposal. They're excited about what comes next, but at the same time, they they're suffering from you know they may suffer from buyer's remorse, that regret that comes from having made a wrong decision. So, the more you can make sure that they get a really wow experience from the moment of signing up with you, the more chances are that they will be. Uh, happy with the decision they have made, in which case filling their emotional bank account, getting rid of that buyer's remorse and helping you to have a sticky and loyal client for many more years to come. So we talked through that whole process uh, and I shared all the all the resources that I always do with members of the pack. So if you weren't there and you are a member, go and check out the recording and access the resources. There were many other resources like, you know, because it's really important for us to manage expectations. I use the example of Amazon and Domino's and Uber, who are great at managing our expectations when we buy from them. So as soon as you put an order in for your Domino's pizza, you know exactly where your pizza is at at each stage of the journey before it gets to you at your doorstep. As soon as you put the order in, it will show you right now it's being prepared, then you know when it's going in the oven, then you know when it's come out of the oven, it's being cut, then you know when it's uh, been put onto the driver's moped or bicycle or whatever, and it's on its way to you, you know exactly where it's at, so you don't stress, you don't have to 
chase, you know, exactly how long it's going to be so you can prepare your side salads and everything in between to accompany your pizza when it arrives. That is a great experience from a customer perspective. Same thing happens when you order from Amazon and they tell you exactly what stage your order is at, how far it is, how many stops away it is before it gets to you. Uber do the same thing, visually showing you exactly where the taxi is and how long it's going to take for the taxi to get to you so you don't have to stand outside in the rain waiting for it. These are all examples of great customer-centric companies and we can learn a thing or two from them by incorporating some of these things into our uh, into our uh, practice and the experiences that we give our clients and prospects and the best the you know the the most powerful way to do this is to put it into your prospecting phase so that is the time for you to really showcase what you're all about and these little things these automated processes which give a great experience to clients will increase the perceived value of working with you and if the perceived value of working with you is greater then the client will be prepared to pay a higher price because they will see that you are different from the others you are efficient and and rather than having to wait two or three days for them to hear from you they're automatically served up the next stage in the process and that again gives them that reassurance that these guys are fast they're on it they're efficient and they're, that this is a, a sign of things to come whereas if you took if you didn't have that and you have a manual process and it takes you two or three days to acknowledge that a client has now signed the proposal and before you send out an information request that doesn't bode well that makes them doubt that have made the right decision suffering from buyer's remorse you don't want them to feel that way they moved away from the last accountant because they got bad service because they weren't treated well because their accountant took ages to respond to them because of all these things so you don't want your client or prospect new client thinking that you're going to be like their last accountant anyway Enough of a recap on that. We're not going to be talking about today. Today's topic is all about should I buy an accounting firm? I've had quite a few people ask me this recently, so I thought I'll do uh, an episode on it and go through the pros and cons as to the uh, buying of an accounting firm, should you, particularly when it comes to growth. Because most of the time, if you're thinking about buying, it's because you want to grow and you want to grow fast. So you're thinking that the quickest and easiest way to do this would be by buying a firm rather than investing in marketing to grow organically or because you're thinking that you're growing too slowly and you want fast growth this is typically the reason why someone will want to buy or if you're just starting out or you're thinking of starting out and you want to hit the ground running want to leave your job you want to buy a firm and take it over then that's often an occurrence too so let's talk through the things to think about the potential advantages and the disadvantages of buying an accounting firm as opposed to starting yourself and actually winning business organically off your own back and growing a firm organically as opposed to through acquisition as you know i i bought into a accounting firm uh, back in the day back in 2008 and the reason why i did was because i felt that i didn't really have the skill set to be able to start from scratch and i have to learn it i'd have to kind of go backwards and learn stuff that were basic compared to what i was doing so if you know my story, I, st- I was MPWC and I was in the tax department. So I was doing quite kind of high-level advisory stuff. I wasn't doing tax returns. I was in the entrepreneurs and private client advisory team. So all the stuff we were doing was advisory, which, you know, advising on corporate tax planning and advising on personal tax planning. So I got some great experience working under managers and partners in delivering on tax planning arrangements, which meant that 
I didn't really get any exposure to preparing a tax return. I'd never prepared a tax return at PwC. And I didn't have any exposure to preparing accounts. I'd never prepared a set of accounts. And to this day, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of shared with you now, I was keeping it a secret for a while, but <laughs> not anymore. I have never, ever in my life compared, prepared a tax return or a set of accounts. Um, huge, uh, huge revelation, I know. I'm, a, I'm an ACA, I'm a CTA, but I haven't done a single tax return or accounts in my life. So my motivation for buying into a practice was that I didn't really want to go backwards and learn and have to take on small clients and do you know taxi drivers and stuff to be able to build up to then be able to use the tax advisory knowledge I had gained. So what I wanted to do is buy into a practice that was pre-existing, uh, which had a team at least that was doing the compliance work so I could go in and I could add value to existing clients using my tax advisory knowledge that I had gained at PwC and then use that as a way of growing the practice as you know the um, the value add piece and what sets us apart from other small practices because I got the experience from PwC obviously what I know now is very different and how I would go about doing it now would be very different but that was my thinking back then and it kind of worked in terms of allowing me to come into a practice where I had people who knew what they were doing when it come came to doing the compliance work and I was able to add value to them in some way by having that added value knowledge. So this is probably if you're in the same position as me, then I would say that, that I was then. And if you're just starting out and you don't have any practice experience at all, then that could be an avenue for you to kind of go in and add value to an existing practice, which which doesn't have the skill set that you have. But if you're in the other situation where you kind of need to learn from a practice owner how to do the tax returns and how to do the accounts and how to do the VAT returns and the bookkeeping, then that's probably not a great idea for you because you'll run into a situation where you will need them more than they need you. And that's never a good position to be in because you could be left in the lurch if you make the if the owner is not sticking around or you've got issues with the staff that you buy into then that could give you all sorts of problems down the line so from the perspective of buying into a practice if you are a newbie i would say that be wary and look at your existing skill set first if you have a skill set that can add value to an existing practice because there are practitioners that are looking to sell but there are more practices looking to buy than there are practices looking to sell so it's definitely a seller's market even for the traditional firms that are looking to sell there's always someone looking to buy there's more buyers than there are sellers I know this because I've got a big community of accountants and I hear all the time from accountants do you know anyone selling and I myself have facilitated uh, um, purchases and um, sales from within my existing community so from that perspective i would say that looking to buy an existing practice is not is not the only way to grow and actually knowing what i know now and the stuff that i talk about in terms of now being the greatest opportunity in decades to grow an accountancy firm without having an established setup without having been in business for 20 years without having multiple offices and multiple team members the opportunity now is greater than ever 
you can absolutely start off on your own right now follow join my program um, or try and do it yourself but you know if you want the shortcut join my program follow the power positioning course that i delivered where i showcased in real time the journey of setting up capture accounting from nothing and taking it to six figures within the space of nine months follow that process and you too will be able to quickly grow an accounting firm with good clients paying you good fees without having uh, without buying an existing practice because chances are that most existing practices are for, that are for sale are the traditional ones. They're typically a retiring practitioner. They're doing things in an old school way. They've got clients who are paying them next to nothing. They don't have clients on direct debit. They have very manual processes. They're still using paper. They're still using Excel spreadsheets. They might be using desktop software. They might have the odd client on the cloud. But typically, they're, they're, it is, they're not... The, the good practices that are digital that have have you know all the processes in place they are going to be few and far between and they will be snapped up even before they hit the market if you are looking if you are going through a broker then chances are if it's on the market then it's not going to be terribly attractive unless you've got the funds to buy something which is over half a million if you're looking at the below half a million mark or the below 250 mark then it's only going to be those retiring practitioners with very old school traditional practices. Now, that's not to say that you can't go in and digitalize and bring that practice up into the 21st century and use that as a base to grow. That's not to say you can't do that. You absolutely can. It will just be a, a very steep learning curve it will mean that there is a big change process required not just with the team members but also the clients as well it will mean you're at risk of losing quite a chunk of those clients because when you go and price them what they should be paying and moving them onto monthly arrangements that many clients potentially will leave that said um if you have the uh, you know you've got the courage and you've got the the access to somebody to help you for example you know if you join somewhere like the pack you have access to other practitioners that can help you on the journey in terms of quickly letting you know what software to use where to go how to go about repricing you've got the resources that i create as well then absolutely you can make it work it would just be a long slog that is all on the other hand if you are an existing practice owner and you already have your practice doing well and you've implemented processes and you're not really involved too much in the practice anymore and you want to grow then absolutely because you've got the experience already of running a practice knowing what it takes then for you it's a different decision one sec i just wanted to talk about the accounts and tax preparation software we use we moved to tax calc a few years ago from one of the big players predominantly due to the huge cost saving the difference was massive saving us over £7,000 a year. But aside from that, it's actually a really good product. My team tell me that it's really intuitive, simple to use, and the transition to move to it was painless. TaskCalc is also the most popular choice for accountants in the pack and members of my Facebook group. So if you're looking for accounts, tax production, and practice management software that does everything you need it to without costing a fortune, check out TaskCalc. There's a link in the show notes to learn more. Now, back to today's pod. So what we were talking about up until now is if you're in a position of being employed or just starting out and whether you should buy or not. If you are already in practice and you've been through the hard graft of 
cleaning up your client base, of getting everyone paying what they should be paying, of putting the systems and processes in place, of getting a good team in place that can handle the work and now you want to grow and you want to go after and bring on board practices to grow even faster, faster, absolutely. Then I would say, yep, go out there and uh, let the brokers know that you are interested. Get um, get on the lists in terms of see which, to, to, to let you know which practices are out there. Join communities like mine where you get to hear firsthand if there are any practices up for sale. And that can be absolutely a good way to grow. What I would say is weigh that up between growing organically. Because the reason why I haven't, and I could have, we have the funds to be able to go out and buy practices. But for me, that is much harder work than growing organically. For me, it's easy to grow organically now because I've got that system in place. We are getting more than enough work to handle and we're getting more than enough inquiries to be able to grow at a pace that I am comfortable with, where our team allows. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not really interested in growing to massive numbers in terms of a team because people involves headache. No matter how many, the more people you have, the more headache you will have. So that's my personal opinion. I don't want to grow to 20, 30 people. I'm comfortable with the 10 that I have. You know, I happily grow to maybe up to 12, 13, but I probably won't want to grow beyond that. Um, I'm more focused on fewer clients, higher margin, bigger fees, more premium, that sort of thing. So, you know, I'll be happy to, and, and we do that within the, you know, we've got nearly a million pounds practice with 10 people. Um, so about 100k per uh, team member. And a couple of those are based in the Philippines as well. So, you know, in terms of our net margin is uh, around about 50% mark. And I'm comfortable with that. I'm happy with that. So I don't really want to grow and scale and bring more people headache into my life. That said, it, you know, everyone is different. That doesn't mean to say that I am not um, keen on doing it. You could be different. And for you, if you like managing people and you want to grow and you scale, then absolutely, there should be nothing stopping you. There's no right way of doing things. You can absolutely grow by acquisition. What I would say in terms of what to look for is or what to watch out for. And uh, the I mean, these are standard terms in negotiation. When you are negotiating with someone who's looking to sell, things like the clawback. So if clients leave within a certain time frame, normally 12 months, there is a clawback. So I'd make sure that you make sure that that period is as long as possible for you so that you can go through that repricing process. You can make sure that you put everyone through your pricing system reprice the clients that you bring on board and those that leave within that first year at least you get some kind of a clawback or there'll be amount held in escrow or amount um, payable after 12 months which it can be deducted off as part of the deal so that's something you can factor into your deal it's quite normal in these kind of arrangements particularly when it is a retiring sole practitioner because typically if it's a retiring sole practitioner then the other thing you want to look for is the age of the clients. So you no doubt you'll get a client list once you've signed your NDA, but also ask for the demographic of the clients as well that they have. And that will be quite telling. So if all the clients are, you know, 60 plus, then, you know, they might not be around for very long. And that's something, again, that you can take into account when it comes to doing your calculations for the potential of GRF, gross recurring fees, going forward. The other thing you want to look at is things like average fees. What are the average fees? What percentage of clients pay by direct debit, not standing order? You know, direct debit is the one. And those practices that don't have many clients on direct debit won't be worth as much. In terms of multiples, you're looking at paying anywhere between 0.8 and potentially up to two times revenue for a solid, you know, um, or even more potentially if it's a greater recurring revenue. Because nowadays it's 
more based upon the EBITDA that the practice is generating because you know one or two times uh, revenue on a practice that's generating 50% net profit margin has got everyone on monthly direct debit arrangements is much more valuable than two times revenue as well but typically most practices aren't going to be like that that are on for sale that you might be looking at that are sub 250k turnover they're typically going to be between 1.8 and 1.3 times recurring revenue which is around the ballpark so and you know the the better processes they have the less the firm is reliant upon the owner then the more valuable the slightly more valuable it is those things to look at client list look at the software that they're using see if there's any synergies between what you're using and what they are using look at the team members and the age of the team members how how many years they've been around so potential for redundancy packages as well if uh, you are looking to uh, generate synergies and incorporate the work into your existing team but again one of the reasons potentially for buying a practice is also to access uh, talent and if you have a retiring practitioner which which who may have had you know a few employees that have been really loyal to him or her and have a good skill set and have been um, productive you know interview when you get to that stage have a chat with that team and if you feel that actually you know these guys are really good and they are loyal and they would be a really good addition for me in my practice then that's another reason why you want to buy a practice that's one of the kind of the, the advantages of buying a practice is that you also get to access talent if team members are coming along as well so that would be one of the reasons why I would if I'm looking to grow and I can't really find the talent and I find there's another sole practitioner nearby that access to a couple of you know two or three good people that I could bring into my practice and could generate efficiencies and then reprice the existing client base even if half of them go it doesn't matter I've got access to the talent plus and uh, enough fees that will keep them occupied and still give them room to do more if we get rid of half of them after doing the repricing exercise so that's another way of looking at it as well but personally like I said I haven't because I feel that you know we are already getting enough work organically and you can absolutely follow the system and get organic growth as well but if you want to go faster then absolutely look at acquisition so these are just some of the things to watch out for in terms of uh, if you are looking at a much bigger firm so if you're looking at half a million million pound plus then multiples are going to be pretty high and at that stage it's going to be it's not going to be easy for you to get onto the shortlist even of buying the practice because it's more so looking at the individual looking at uh, transition looking at your credibility your history if you don't have much of a track record if you are smaller than the firm that you're looking to buy then you probably won't get a look in because there are many big firms snapping up the smaller players so you're unlikely to be able to be in the running for a larger firm than you uh, typically unless you go through networks that you know that can do you an intro um, so yeah just be mindful of that as well but yeah typically if you are looking for someone that is smaller than you then absolutely that is possible uh, usually the owner will be willing to hang around at least for six months to manage that transition I'd, I'd recommend that you tie them into that process as well and with the with that uh, with the carrot that there is a balancing payment after uh, 12 months time so that it gives them an incentive to help you to transfer the goodwill that they have to you because it's in their interest to get that 
next you know the stage payment uh, if the clients stick around for more than 12 months so all things to note when it comes to buying a practice hopefully you've found that useful if you've got any other specific questions on this feel free to uh, reach out to me on linkedin if you've got any other ideas for content for me that you want me to create podcast content on then feel free to reach out to me on linkedin otherwise have a great rest of the day hope you found that useful give us a review and rating on our podcast haven't already and i'll catch up with you on the next episode take care and bye for now thank you for listening If you want to spend more time together, get access to me personally for your questions, access to resources and training that will help you to shortcut your progress together with being part of an incredible community of accountants or helping each other, then come and join the pack, the Profitable Accountants Community. There's a hundred plus accountants that I mentor and they help each other to get results faster than trying to do it alone. Go to reshood.com forward slash mentoring to learn more or message me directly on LinkedIn. Take care.